All right. Stand with me, please. If you would, please stand with me as we pray. And I'm going to have you remain standing as I read um, the passage today, Obadiah. Today, God, we thank you for the service Sunday school. For those that are here, the members, the visitors, we recognize them and just honor you for people. For, Lord, if people did not show up, we would be here alone. (laughs) I would be, I guess. And and so, Lord, I want to thank you that we have people that's willing to come from distances to come and worship here. We honor you today. And now give us ears to hear the word of the almighty God. Again, we lift up the grieving families, five families. Grieving the loss of loved ones, Lord, with the tragedy. And, and, and so today in Arenda, and so we are praying today that there will be healing for all the families. God, that you will help people to know that life comes from you. God, we've got to be very careful. Lord God, judgment will set in. We pray today that we'll remember that you give life. That, God, we must honor the life you give. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Please remain standing. Obadiah, because there is one chapter, we don't say chapter 1, 1 through 4. We just say Obadiah 1 through 4. So whenever there's one chapter, you just mention the verses. And this is what it says. If you've got phones, please make sure they're on vibrate, please. Thank you. Again, the vision of Obadiah, thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a report. From the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up and let us rise against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, Who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. Please remain standing as I go to Jeremiah. Sister Michelle, thank you for that. You don't have this passage. I'm going to read a passage, Jeremiah chapter 49. I'm going to read verses 14. Through 16. Jeremiah 49, 14 through, six, through um, 16. I have heard a message from the Lord, and an envoy has been sent among the nations. Gather yourselves together and come against her, and rise up for battle. For behold, I will make you small among the nations, despised among mankind. The whore you inspire has deceived you. And the pride of your heart, you who live in the clefts of the rock, who hold the height of the hill, though you make your nest as high as the eagles, I will bring you down from there, declares the Lord. You may be seated. You may be seated. As a title, if you are writing the title down, you may have seen it on the board. When pride meets with coming judgment, part one. When pride meets with coming judgment, part one. Pride is dangerous as it gives the false comfort that one is in control of their destiny, that judgment will not happen soon, 
nor be something that one cannot handle in the future. Pride would tell you that don't worry about it now. You'll be able to handle whatever comes. Don't worry about any consequences. Pride allows one to feel that they have built up, that what they have built up is often beyond the control of God to be able to do anything about. If you allow pride to go unchecked, you will have a very humbling experience that can even cause your very demise. This is where we are with the Edomites. The Edomites are the descendants of Esau, who also became known as the Edomians, I-D-U-M-E-A-N-S. Pride can never get so high that it is out of reach of the Almighty God. Never think that you, that, that you have gotten to a place where God cannot reach you. He can. One of the things that you should know about pride is that it has an end date. Pride has an end date. Those who right now live in pride will one day be humbled. One point today that we're dealing with, and it is God speaks. God speaks. The name Obadiah means servant or worshiper of the Lord. Servant or worshiper of the Lord. Obadiah was a common name, but there is not much that is known about this author. In fact, very little to nothing is known about Obadiah. It is not even known when Obadiah was written. There seems to be more consensus, though, around Obadiah being written after 586 B.C. What is significant about 586 B.C.? The temple of Jerusalem was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar. This is where the southern kingdom of Judah was taken into exile. There had been three invasions by King Nebuchadnezzar. Coming of Nebuchadnezzar 500 miles from Babylon to Jerusalem... In 586, he came back and took captives to Babylon, which included Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which were their Babylonian names. He took them back to Babylon. There had been a prophecy that if the people of God refused to humble themselves and began to worship other gods, that God would cause them to go into captivity. It is believed that Obadiah wrote after this time and that he is a contemporary along with Jeremiah. There is about a 600-year time span between those who believe that possibly the book of Obadiah may have been written in the early 9th century in the 800 B.C.s all the way down to the 300 B.C.s. A 600-year span because there is not much known But many believe because of the prophecies in Ezekiel and Jeremiah, as well as Psalm, that he ties into Jeremiah. The Idumeans, the Idumeans, the term derived from the Greek is the Greek form of Edom, Idumea, Idumeans. It was given that name, and let me just say this, 
The name Edom means red. You remember when Esau was born, the Bible says he came out all red. He had red hair all over him. He is the twin of who? Jacob. The name changed because of Greek influence. Alexander the Great, because of Greek influence and the culture's language changing, Edom became Edomia. And you need to also note that although they were brothers, Edom or Esau and Jacob, there had been a long history of war and fighting. They occupied South Judah. Now, you should note that when King Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem in 586 B.C., it was the Edomites who had encouraged him and participated in helping that wicked king to come and destroy Judah. They were happy. Why? Because they then began to occupy the territory of those that had been taken into captivity. The Edomites lived in south Judah near the Dead Sea, and they had, based on their history, had made their lodging in the rocks, up in the high hills, in the clefts. We note very interestingly that the name Selah means rock in the Hebrew, and Petra is the name of their city. It is a most fascinating place as they made their dwelling there and made carvings and built things right into the rock. Incredible monuments there. And it is from there that God says, I'm going to bring you down. They made it a place of security because it was hard to get there. That area about stretched about 100 miles in length, 20 miles across. And, and, and in order to be attacked, they only provided for the enemy to kind of come through this narrow way. And so it was very basically impregnable. And they took pride in what they had. And it is this prophecy that the Lord gives to Obadiah, telling him to tell Edom that I'm going to destroy you because of your pride. Pride is a very ugly thing. I've dealt with it. I've been prideful at times, and it is ugly when, when you think, and you begin to think back, what was that about? All of us have dealt with matters of pride. And when you begin to evaluate, it is an ugly thing. One must be very, very careful. God tells us that we need to humble ourselves. He says, you need to humble yourselves. Because if you don't humble, the Lord says, I'll humble you. So the Edomites rejoiced when Judah was sent off and taken to Babylon. They rejoiced. In Obadiah 1, it says, we have heard. We have heard. In most visions, and there are only a few books where the word vision is used, the vision of the Lord. Oftentimes it may say the oracle of the word, but I believe only three books in the Old Testament begins with vision, and Obadiah is one of them. When the author identifies who he is, 
and says the vision of the Lord. And in fact, when oftentimes you see the word vision or an oracle, you will note that oftentimes there is then the direct message of what the charge is against the people. But in this particular sense, that doesn't pick up until chapter, until rather verse number two. The vision of the Lord, thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. Edom, we have heard. He includes himself rather than I have heard, we have heard. The author identifies who he is and he becomes a part of it. So when we look at the vision then the oracles, it goes into what the judgment is or the concern that God has. And then he says, this is who I am going to send against you. But in this case, the Lord has already called the enemies, already called those individuals that he is sending to them to bring them down. Messages of judgment are often very difficult to deliver because your life as a prophet would be in jeopardy. Whenever God would give a message to a prophet, there was often the concern when delivering the message that one would lose his life. And the Lord had to tell some of his prophets, don't you fear the people, but you tell them what I said. Because if you don't, I'm going to deal with you. Don't you fear the people, but you give them my very word and proclaim it. Jeremiah was one to where he had to be encouraged. He's known as the weeping prophet. There's a battle cry that's raised against Edom for other nations to rise up against them. Now you know it's something when the Lord has caused other nations, get this, it wasn't just one enemy. The Lord says, I am causing nations, I'm causing your these various groups to rise up against you. Whenever the Lord dealt with Judah and Jerusalem, he would oftentimes leave a remnant. He would leave a people there. He would say, I'm, I'm going to bring you back. But when the Lord's enemies rose up against his people, they were often wiped off the face of the earth and their history gone. They, the people didn't often remain. Jacob and Esau, throughout their history, fought problems. Difficulties. Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. He was famished. Jacob, the trickster, tricked him out of his birthright, lied to his father, and then had to go on the run. Even though you might be called by God, don't you try to do things according to your own standards and power. You better make sure the Lord is guiding and directing you. Jacob had things that he had to deal with. Yet the Lord said, Jacob I have chosen, and Esau in the book of Malachi, Esau I have hated. What does that word mean? It means that God chose Jacob rather than choosing Esau. When the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, and Moses needed to go through the land where the Edomites were, Moses sent word to them and to the king that we need to pass through and we won't turn to the left nor to the right. We will stay on the path. And by chance, anyone uses water or, has, or, or our animals, we'll pay for it. And the king said, you cannot pass by here. Moses then says again, we, we, we just need to pass through. 
tribe of Edom says, you cannot come through. And they gathered their army and stood to oppose them so that Moses had to turn and go another way. It was the Lord who often told the Israelites, don't fight your brothers because they're your brothers. Then the Lord at times would say, go attack them. But the Lord was, was, was at times very, allowed the people to be very careful because he says, they're your brothers. I don't want you to, to attack them. But Edom was often very ruthless and in fact participated with others when Jacob or the Israelites were in danger. Be careful siding with the enemy against God's people. Be careful of partnering with those who don't know the Lord against the saints that you might be in disagreement with. The world does not love God, does not know God. Be careful because the Lord may be using possibly the world or an individual to help bring correction and judgment. But then the Lord may turn around and say, but I'm going to deal with that individual that brings the judgment. And if you are partnering with the wrong one, you could be swept up in the judgment. Thus says the Lord concerning Edom. We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations. God sent out a messenger to all the nations. Rise up. That's the call. That's the charge. I want you to rise up, and I want you to get ready. I want you to get ready and rise for battle. Battle against who? Battle against Edom. The charge that God levels against them is that he would make them small. This was always a concern for the nation when they were said to be small because they would become vulnerable to attacks. And, and to have to be said that you are going to be small, it meant that you are at the mercy often of others. And their greatest fear was to become small because they thought they were great. Your greatest fear at times is what God said, I'm going to do to you. Why? Because there has been a rebellion against him. You ought to be glad that God gives correction to his people. He, he loves us so much that he, he says, I don't want you going that way. And he will correct you. Those that don't belong to him, uh, they don't oftentimes pay attention to correction. And they keep right on going. But for God's people, the correction oftentimes is meant to have you to turn and change your ways. It is not that Edom did not have chances. It's that they took pride in their position. They said, we have a stronghold. We are built up. We are high and nothing and no one can bring us down. God says, I'm going to make you small. Make you small among those nations. That'll come. And then he says, you shall be utterly despised. Another name for the Edomites. Edomites were often, you could awful, oftentimes hear, uh, the, you oftentimes, I should say, would hear the, the name or the mountain, Mount Seir. So whenever you hear Mount Seir, it often meant the Edomites too. So Mount Seir was often a reference to the people of Edom. So Edomites, Edomians, the people of Mount Seir, all the same group. He said, you shall be utterly despised. Their place in the class, in this area, and I think a play on words, and Petra meaning rock and Selah, that, that the place where they took comfort 
would be the very place that they would be brought down from. Their place of security that they felt was impregnable uh, would not be a protection for them anymore. Do you not know that when the very thing that you are trusting in and the very thing that you are seeing as your protection, when, when those things or that very thing is removed, you are then in trouble because you have put your hope and your trust in that. If you put your trust in your car, in your home, in your money, in anything but God, it will and can be taken from you. When God gives his people things, it is for the purpose of honoring and blessing him. But whenever things move in place of God, it becomes a problem. When the Edomites began to consider their strength, their, their stronghold, and consider that the fact that they were high and lifted up, and they saw their pride, and they might not have even oftentimes seen it, but their pride was their defense. God says, I'm bringing you down. Sometimes the very thing that you fear, God will use against you. Try to hide behind your, your pride, God will remove your protection. We must understand that God is our protection. That's something that you need to understand. Verse number three, the pride of your heart has deceived you. Get that. Your heart has been lying to you. Isn't that something? When your heart can lie to you, 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 be, you believe your heart, but it's lying to you. The pride of your heart is lying to you. Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride, nobody can touch me. Nobody can do anything to me. Right when you're at the zenith of your pride, be careful because you will be brought low. When Nebuchadnezzar in his palace said, isn't this the great Babylon that I have made? He had already been warned a year before, so humble yourself. Humble yourself. God's going to bring you down. The Bible says the words were still on his lips when the voice from heaven spoke. You are being cut down. And he lost his mind and for seven years lived out in the wild like a wild animal. Pride is a very dangerous thing because it makes you think that you are something that you really are not. It gives you this false sense of security and makes you believe that somehow you can escape the judgment of God and somehow you come to this conclusion that nothing can happen to you. Pride is dangerous. So get this. Pride goes before a destruction and a haughty spirit. Now, now, what does that say? Pride goes before what? Destruction. And what? And a haughty spirit before a fall. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rock in your lofty dwellings, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Positions spiritually and physically 
have to be, you have to be very careful. When you are elevated, you have to be very careful that you don't rise too quickly. There are some tests that you have to go through when God is going, when God is going to raise you up. Oftentimes there are very, there's, there are tests that you must endure and go through because God is preparing you, preparing you for something in the future. So oftentimes you will have to go down into the basement before you can be raised up. Oftentimes you have to go through very difficult circumstances to where you are saying, I don't see how I'm going to make it. Because why? God is going to do something for you. Don't think that trials and being in the basement means that God does not see your plight. You've got to be careful that when you think you are here and saying that I am, I am in God's presence and nothing can happen to me, then you've got to be very careful. Or when you take pride just in yourself. You've got to be very careful. And this is where the, the Edomites were. They said because of our surroundings, because of where we are, because we are in the cleft of these rocks, because we have these impregnable walls, nobody can get to us. That's a lie. Verse 4. Though you soar like a loft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the, sets, the stars. Let me go back. Though you soar aloft like the eagle. Though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down. Like the majestic eagle from on high goes after its prey below. This is what they were doing. They said that we are so high that nobody can get us because we can get to them. And so God compares them like an eagle. That just like the eagle soars and then goes down after the prey. This is how he describes them. They consider themselves high and aloft. Where nothing could get them. They're out of reach of all things. But God says, you're not outside of my reach. You may be a lost like the eagle. You may think you're soaring and that you are built in the cleft of the rock. But I have decreed judgment for you. And this is where you've got to understand. That when God tells us that we are to humble ourselves, it is so that we don't have to experience the measure or the fullness of God's wrath. So take heart when God says that humble yourselves. He gives you the opportunity to say, you know what, I, I better make some changes. Lord, would you, would, you, <laughs> would you help me? It would be from their place of what they consider to be their strength and their height. It would be from there that they would be brought low. As we bring this to a conclusion, when pride meets with coming judgment, you never want to be in a place where your pride has to meet with God's judgment because you can never win that battle. Because, because pride can't continue to go up. It has to come down. I told the Sunday school class today, asked him a question. I, saw, I heard a good definition. I thought of, what's the difference between a test and a temptation? You see, w- when you look at a test and temptation, They really come the same, exactly the same. But the difference between a test and a temptation really is the motivation behind it. When God brings a test, it may look just like a temptation, but God's desire is to make you and to have you trust him is to raise you up. Where Satan, when he brings a temptation, is to tear you down and to make you doubt God. It looks the same. The motivation behind a test and a temptation is a major difference. Because God says he tempts no one. He doesn't tempt a person to evil, 
But Satan does. So when a test comes and you are being tried, you need to know what's the motivation behind it. If God sends it, you know it's good. Satan tells you, you know, they treat you all wrong. <laughs> you just need to go ahead and just quit. You can know that those aren't the words that oftentimes God will use if it's something that's going to help with that, will help you. He tells us that we need to quit our sin. <laughs> it's the motivation. As I conclude, the Edomites had every opportunity to change. But they settled in, in their pride and said that nobody can bring us down. And the Lord sent Obadiah where nobody knows anybody, anything about. Even though the name was common about Obadiah, hardly anything is known. But he received a word from the Lord, and the Lord says, deliver this message to the Edomites. I know where you live, basically. <laughs> what you trust in. And, and one final thing, one of the dangerous things is when there is no repentance with pride, the Lord allows the accumulation of stuff that you've done to all kind of be added into the judgment. When, the, when there is repentance, the Lord then often will keep all of those things that you've done and says, I'm going to wash that away. Isn't that wonderful that when God doesn't have, have us to have to deal with the full measure of all the stuff that we've done? So God, I've blown it. And he can say, well, I'm giving you a new start right now. Sometimes you've got to deal with the consequences, but all the things and the consequences, God says, I, I, I'm going to forgive you. Now, there's going to be some things that you've got to deal with. Just part of the things that happens because of choices, but I'm not going to hold that against you. You're forgiven. But when there's not forgiveness, or rather there's not repentance, then you can rest assured that judgment is coming. Don't have your pride meet with God's Judgment. Repent. Please stand with me. What do you need to repent of today? <laughs> have you been having a prideful spirit, a prideful heart? What have you refused to give to God that rightfully belongs to him? It's pride. You look back at it, really, it's pride. I can do it myself. No. How many of you have had an attitude to where I can make it on my own? Pride. Lord, we pray today that we won't allow pride to keep us from repenting. Because pride will make us think that we're okay when really we're not. It will make people who are in sin think that they have a right to be there. But we pray today in Jesus' name that we will humble ourselves, repent and say, God, have mercy upon me. Show me, God, what you're doing and help me to walk in such a way that brings honor to your glorious and mighty name. We pray that we will not have to be brought low because of a refusal to, Lord, humble ourselves. We honor you and give glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. See you later this week.